Hey, Hot Mess Heroes, I'm Jeffrey Garano, and welcome to episode one of Gaijin. Today, I'm going to explain why I named the podcast Gaijin by talking about my biggest fears growing up. I'll talk to you about my coming out story and my journey of developing my Asian American identity. Turn up the volume and let's get started. want to talk about is fear. Yes. Fear, like being scared, being terrified, being freaked out of your mind. For me, it's a regular everyday occurrence, actually. Um, No, seriously, ever since I was a kid, I experience anxiety in a very physical way. Like my heart rate goes up. I sometimes feel lightheaded. Sometimes it feels like I'm on a roller coaster, like at the top of the hill, and the car is about to drop. Yeah, it's that feeling. My heart just drops into my stomach, but I'm not on a roller coaster. It's just my real life. And I'd have so much fear and anxiety over things like deadlines, chores, and even shaking people's hands. Yes, this is pre-COVID shaking people's hands. It was this weird social anxiety that I was dealing with, but fear is what really kept me in my comfort zone. And it still does. I'm still working on it. It's something that I'm being mindful of every day. But fear is what kept me in my comfort zone. And my comfort zone, it keeps me in a place that feels familiar and safe and warm. But I'm not really growing. I'm not really putting myself out there. And in lots of ways, I'm stopping myself from doing the things I want to do. What keeps me there is fear and also making trade-offs between what's less and more painful. So fear has been awesome in terms of keeping me in my comfort zone, and it's done a really freaking good job at that. I do love my comfort zone. I don't like pain. Perfect example. At California Pizza Kitchen, I will only order the same dish over and over. I refuse to order anything else because I love the chicken tequila fettuccine. And I've been ordering that ever since I've been a kid, ever since I've gone to that restaurant. With my family, without my family, with friends, just myself, I will always order the bomb delicious chicken tequila fettuccine. I will not order anything else on that menu because I know that that is a good dish And I love that pasta and it makes me feel warm and fuzzy and happy. And that's that. And that is my comfort zone. That is my happy place. And I know I need to push myself out of that and I have to force myself to do that. And that's what I'm practicing. But a lot of my life has been based in fear. And so let's get into it. What was I so fearful of? Well, first word, gay. I was scared terrified of the word gay. Growing up, I knew that I was different. I was growing up in a very devout Catholic household, very strict Catholic parents, big Catholic family. And I was so scared of even hearing the word gay because when I heard the word, there was like I felt it. I felt something within me that was like, uh, 
and I would run the other direction. I was terrified of it. And it all stemmed from my very homophobic and very strict Catholic upbringing. Anytime I acted effeminate, it would be immediately corrected. Don't talk like that. Don't walk like that. Don't hold your hands that way. Don't let your wrists go limp. It was an immediate correction and it made me feel like I was doing something wrong. But I couldn't help nor hide who I was. Like it was just written all over me. I was always the guest of honor at my sister's tea parties. You can ask them. And I was uh, also the interior decorator for many of the dollhouses that my sisters had. I didn't know it was wrong until I was told that it was wrong. And then I internalized that feeling and felt like what I was interested in or what I wanted to do or how I wanted to act, what came most natural to me. And so the word gay for me became this thing that got my heart pumping and my stomach in my chest. I was frightened of hearing it and being thought of as something so horrible. Or so I was taught. I was taught that being gay was wrong. And I believed it. You know, you talk about 18 years of going to church and hearing that all the time. I'm lucky that it didn't totally annihilate me, but for a long time, it really did because I was scared to be myself and I felt like I was hiding and conforming and adjusting in every situation I was in, in order to show people that I was straight, I was masculine, and that I wasn't gay. So I suppressed a lot of who I was. And I thought that if I forced myself enough to be attracted to girls, that that was going to be enough. Somehow magically come out of this phase and be straight. Um, very, which was really like just thinking back on it, like a very bizarre and horrible plan. Anyway, I like just hid this feeling from myself for so long and I became this insane overachiever in high school. I became obsessed with getting good grades and it was the only way to really take the focus off of being gay. I just developed tunnel vision to work and work and work constantly in order to feel loved and accepted. I felt that I would be rejected, humiliated, because so I I overcompensated a lot to show how masculine I was. It wasn't until my early 20s that I was intentional about overcoming my fear and being out to everybody, like literally everyone. And it was a time when I moved to New York City. So there was this feeling of regeneration, of rebirth, of like reinventing myself. But then I was also in a place where I had been so tired and burnt out from pleasing others for so long that I decided that I just needed to give myself and allow myself to be me. And I for so long had been withholding this big part of who I was. I was tired of it. I was so burnt out from carrying that burden for others, so I honestly just stopped. Like at one point, I thought to myself, I cannot live with this feeling. 
I cannot live with this feeling any longer. Like it's tiring. Like it's not fun. Um, and I just wanted to have fun, dude. Like I just wanted to be me. And I decided to come out to everybody. I came out to every single person in my family. I came out to all of my friends and for those who accepted and continued to include me and valued my friendship, I gave all of my time and energy to those people. And for those people who were still confused, I was willing to have conversations with them, but I decided I wouldn't try to persuade anybody to accept me any longer. I wouldn't fight for people's acceptance in the way that I had growing up. I refused to do that. I was tired of doing that. And I made the choice to just stop. And that helped immensely, especially during that time. I just, I knew that I had to put all of my energy and time into the people who loved me. If I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be able to be 100% fully myself and to give to myself in the way that I knew I should. I had been giving so much to others that I needed to start giving to myself first. And so when I came out, what came of it was honesty and lightness and fun. And because I was living in that headspace and truth, I was able to heal. And family members and people from my past who in some ways reinforced this idea growing up that I was somehow wrong, I was able to walk into those conversations feeling like I could reconcile issues without hurt and anger being at the forefront of those conversations. And I couldn't have been in that headspace if I wasn't giving to myself first by making sure I was surrounding myself with people who loved and cared for me and not giving any time or space to those who didn't. It may sound like I'm trying to give a subtle dig to certain people or it sounds like maybe I had haters, but that is not the case. I did not experience and had the privilege of not experiencing extreme hate when I came out. The point that I'm trying to make is surround yourself with people who reinforce positive ideas and invest yourself in those who love you. Give your time to people who bring you happiness and reinforce positive feelings about you. Now, I know that a lot of people are in different situations and not everybody has the privilege of being in a safe environment to be able to come out to every single person. And so for those who have come out to themselves, to a select group of friends, to everyone, or who are still questioning and thinking about what and how is the best way to do it, you are doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing and you are okay. And when you hear that inner voice, that inner critical voice that tells you you're wrong or you're gross or you're weak, know that's not your authentic voice. It's an accumulation of messages that degrade homosexuality, whether those messages come from religious ideas or the media or from family and friends and acquaintances who may have said something degrading about homosexuality to you or about you, remember that it's not about you. Be patient and kind to yourself and find ways to respond 
to that toxic inner critic. Now, I do want to come back to this issue of putting on the blinders and giving your time and energy to the people who matter, to the people who love, accept, and include you after you've shared with them who you really are. I really do think it's so important to make sure that those people are your focus. Yes, sometimes it's fun to debate others and to persuade others to believe what you believe and to ask them to change, but I didn't want to change anybody. I knew that I was going through change and I wanted to focus 500% on my own change rather than someone else changing their mind about me. It also helped at the time that I was living in New York City and I was a young teacher in New York City with no time on my hands, constantly working or commuting. And so the city and the structure of the city and the limited time that I had also created the structure I needed to focus my effort and my time and to give it to people who mattered to me, who would contribute to this experience I was having that was all about honesty and lightness and fun. And um, I was really able to put to rest um, my first big fear of being rejected if I wasn't pleasing others. Now, that's not to say that I'm not dealing with that issue and that fear today. I still am, but in a different way, not in the same way that I was. So what's the point? I was scared of being gay because of how I was raised, and admitting that to myself or to others terrified me. And so I overcompensated either through compulsive overachievement or pretending to be straight. I was terrified of being rejected, um, and I needed to be honest about where that terror came from. And it wasn't about me, but rather ideas of homophobia that were reinforced from my strict Catholic upbringing And it made me want to please others, and it made me internalize messages from others. And I needed to be able to say to myself, I'm tired of caring so much. And And I did. I did say that. And I did feel that. And I was tired of putting on this front for others and denying myself the opportunity to let go of the lie and feel lighter. And when I started living truthfully, that lightness came. When I made the change and came out, I knew I'd need a support system to reinforce positive feelings about being gay, and so I was active and intentional about surrounding myself with people and in turn messages that I gave my time, energy, and attention to. Let's talk about the second thing that I was deathly afraid of growing up, and that is the second word, Asian. I was not only scared of it, I just didn't know anything about my Asian American identity. I grew up in a predominantly white suburban neighborhood in San Diego, and I didn't really think about it. It was another thing that I suppressed. And growing up in very white suburban neighborhoods in Southern California, it was very clear to everyone else that my family was different. And yet, 
I still was fearful about being weird and different and not being normal that I once again did what I do best, which was suppress because the fear was just too painful to experience or even think about. Not wanting to be different was always on my mind. And I like tried to hide all the time. It was, I was insanely shy and quiet. And I didn't know anything about my Asian American history. I knew something about my culture in that there was good food and parties and celebrations, but I knew nothing about Filipino history. I didn't know what being Asian American meant. I remember in high school, I was in orchestra and I was surrounded by all these other Asian kids. I was not uh, the best. I didn't practice as much as I needed to. Um, I tried really hard, but I was somewhat mediocre compared to lots of the other kids. And during breaks, kids would say some pretty wild things. I remember them saying, you're not a real Asian, you're a fake Asian, and everyone would laugh. What this taught me was that the Asian American community is big and there are many differences within the Asian American community. And this laughter reinforced further feelings of disconnection with my own Filipino American identity. And I'll talk about that in future episodes, but what helped me was learning more about Filipino history and resistance, and that strengthened my overall racial identity. My teenage experiences made me feel scared to be too Asian or fearful that I wasn't Asian enough. I think it was probably just a reflection of San Diego. Um, And I knew I needed to get out. I knew I needed something different. SoCal was starting to feel limiting and I wanted to go to college somewhere else, mostly because I wanted to start a new somewhere else, but because at the time I needed to get out. And so I did. The first time I interrogated my Asian American identity was an undergrad. And I stumbled into a class on race in America and learned so much history, so much history that I had never learned growing up. And I learned more about the system of racism. And some of you maybe also had this similar experience in college. Maybe you took classes like these. Maybe you did this type of work actually on your own. Um, Or maybe you learned all of this in elementary or high school. But for me, this really was the first time that I truly understood what it meant to be Asian American within a larger system, a racist system. And as an Asian American, I realized how my body was neither black nor white and how my racial identity belonged to a history of oppression and resistance. And honestly, it took me a while to truly understand my role in resistance and activism and allyship. And so what I learned about Asian Americans within the system of racism is that we are pigeonholed as either perpetual foreigners or model minorities. And these two stereotypes and myths are grounded in Asian American immigration and naturalization laws that worked very much like supply and demand. There was no accident about who was allowed to come into America and become an American citizen. And because of that, 
it reinforced stereotypes that ultimately were about the myth of meritocracy and the myth that the system of racism isn't real. And if you worked hard enough, you could pull yourself up by your bootstraps. When Asian Americans are positioned as model minorities, those in power are using Asian Americans to pit them against other racialized minority groups. They're essentially saying, look, they can do it, why can't you? The point is that these two stereotypes about Asian Americans, either the perpetual foreigner or the model minority, we need to learn them. And I had to learn them in order to wake up and not believe the BS when people say, oh my God, you're so smart, you're so exotic. I needed to learn these two stereotypes and how they function in order to grapple with my own Asian American identity. Whether stereotypes are positive or negative, they are still stereotypes and they serve a very specific purpose and function to maintain white supremacy. The more I was able to zoom out and see the power structure for what it is, the more I understood that it wasn't anything personal. The more I understood my own Asian American identity that was so unknown to me as a teenager, I was able to grapple with it and not be so fearful and to stop being so concerned about being different or about being too Asian or not Asian enough. I was able to move forward from the internalized feelings I was holding from my childhood and from when I was a teenager. Fast forward for a second to today, and some of you may have questions, and I've seen these questions come through, about what should Asian Americans do to fight against anti-Black racism and violence, and how Asian Americans can show solidarity as allies of Black Lives Matter. I want to say you need to listen You need to stand up, speak up, speak out, but most importantly, listen. Make sure that you match your actions to your words and to your intentions and that you are constantly reflecting on how you can show up in ways that are genuine and that are not co-optive or take the center. You need to know your history. Know your Asian American history. Know your history. Asian American experiences are substantively different not less than, not more. And your participation means that you are aware of such. You are interrogating your own biases and assumptions. And you can do so without diminishing Asian American stories or histories or lived experiences as racialized, marginalized minorities and as a group that doesn't occupy power within the system of white supremacy. But remember that the function of white supremacy is to use Asian Americans as model minorities, to pit Asians against other racial minorities, and don't fall for it. Know that myth is a function and has always been a function of white supremacy in this country. And so, my hot mess heroes, that's why I decided to name the podcast Gaijin. Not only does the word represent who I am, but it also represents two big fears I had throughout my childhood, being gay and being Asian. So, I'll leave you with these two questions. Number one, how are you going to continue your racial identity development 
in order to act in solidarity, allyship, and coalition across racial lines? And second, how are you going to show up for yourself when you want to make a change? What support systems are you going to put in place? What habits will you practice? And finally, how are you going to tune out harmful messages that don't help you anymore? Remember to follow Gaijin Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also follow Gaijin Podcast on Instagram. DM me any questions or comments. Until next time, bye!